you really gonna fight that wrestler? They're so big. That's all right. It'll be fun. Mind if I serenade you? Do 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 do. What's your part? Oh, what are you doing? No, you can do it. No. Do 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 do. Do 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 do. No, no. It's good, but it's not dodos. Do 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 do. Do 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 do. Do 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 do. I've been told. Do 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 do. By people in the arms. Do 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 do. Is there to take me back? Do 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 do. Take me back like a fool. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about Rocky Three. And be forewarned, this discussion will be chock full of spoilers. Now, this is our second part. We're doing Rocky Three over the course of two episodes. So, if you haven't heard the, the last episode where we started the discussion, a lot of times when you hear a podcast like this, they'll say, well, then you have to listen to that first. Stop now and go back and listen to that. You don't have to. If you haven't heard that yet, you can listen to that after this. So, if you're on an airplane and you downloaded this one and you don't have that one, go ahead, enjoy this. What we did in that one was we, we talked a lot about how influential this film was to the history of WrestleMania. And we talked about a lot of other stuff about Rocky Three, And now we're going to get really into Rocky Three, the movie itself. Let's do it. Starts right off with Rocky Two. Yes. <laughs> like like all the Rocky films starting with, with Rocky Two on, we get the end of Rocky, of the previous film. And so we see the end of Rocky Two. Then we get a montage. I, I really like this montage. It's set to Eye of the Tiger, which is the, the big theme for this movie. And I love the images that they show in this. This is probably my favorite part of the entire movie. Yeah, it's very cool. And one interesting thing about it is they sort of set up a um, a storyline, if you will, where you can see Paulie's very disgruntled. Um, and, you know, watching it now, I'm like, wow, they're almost setting it up that Paulie was going to, you know, have a heel turn here and end up bringing in Clubber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right. They make amends. They, everybody gets their moment. You know, Paulie gets his moment when he's a drunk later in the pinball, you know, and throws the, the bottle. You get Adrian gets her moment on the beach. Mickey gets his moment when he dies. You yeah. know, Apollo gets his moment when he gives him the trunks. It's like everybody gets their big moment in this film. Yeah. And, uh, and Paulie's is set up right away because he's got to do his very quickly. The montage has a couple interesting things in it. We get to see TWA Airlines, which you, you won't see anymore in a movie yeah you also get to see radio city music hall hosting a rocky bout he's he's gonna fight somebody at radio city music hall and i looked that up i I wanted to see if if they ever did boxing there and they did but the first box the first and to date only boxing match ever at radio city music hall was in the year 2000 oh wow and it was it was funny because when i saw the, the you know the marquee I've been to Radio City Music Hall maybe a handful of times. Right. Um, nowhere near 1982. And I was trying to figure out in my head how you would do a boxing yeah. match in that venue. I have no idea. Roy Jones defeated David Telesco there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen the fight. There was at least one other fight on the card. 
And I don't know. I mean, that is a, that's a theater yeah. with a stage, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I, it's a big theater. It's a beautiful theater. And another movie that was out at this time was Annie. And Annie has one of my favorite scenes in any movie, which is when they go to the movies. He's let's all go to the movies and they go out and daddy Warbucks rents out radio city music hall. Awesome. And, and so as a kid, I was like, wow, he could rent out a movie theater because I didn't grasp that Radio City Music Hall wasn't just any theater. But beautiful theater. They do a wonderful Rockettes Christmas show every year. I don't know how they could do boxing there, but, but Stallone thought of it. And then in 2000, Roy Jones was able to, to make that actually happen. We see yeah. Clubber training at this point. Oh, and he's training hard. It's interesting. We talked a little bit about this in the last episode. Mr. T is really what Clubber is based on. And it's it, there's a lot of stuff about this. The look of Clubber Lang, the feathered earrings, the mohawk. This wasn't something that, uh, you know, a costumer came up with. This yeah. was something he came to the part with. You know, Stallone saw him and said, I want to make Clubber Lang this guy rather than make this guy Clubber Lang. And so dialogue, like like the line, I pity the fool, the reason why Mr. T continued to use that, that was his own phrase. You know, he was a, a bouncer. He was a bodyguard. And, and a lot of the, the vernacular in this comes from him. Because I think Stallone was smart enough to know he wasn't from the streets anymore. He was a yeah. guy that had, you know, now be, he was like Rocky. He had exactly. gone from, you know, being the guy who was, you know, you know, young and trying to make it, you know, with his dog Butkus on a yeah. train ride out to L.A. to being the guy that was a superstar with a with a million dollars. And now, you know, this guy, Mr. T from the south side of Chicago you know, this is a guy not very far removed from the ghetto and he could do the he could, you know, come up with this dialogue better than Stallone could. So very smart of Stallone to do it that way. And, and it seemed to work out well for him. Oh, yeah. And the great thing about Stallone sort of becoming a superstar is it ena- enabled them to use a lot of footage of Stallone being Stallone for this movie. This is so true. There are some pictures in here, and I tried really hard to authenticate these. There's Sylvester Stallone with Gerald Ford and Bob Hope. There's Stallone with Jimmy Carter and Stallone with Reagan, all in this montage. Mm-hmm. So you get him with, with three different presidents and Bob Hope, who essentially, if he wasn't born in England, would have been president. And you uh, you get these pictures, and I don't know whether they're legit or not. I did find Bob Hope and Gerald Ford wearing those same tuxedos at an awards banquet, and Stallone's not with them. That doesn't mean that he didn't get a picture with them that night. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't been able to find these. I have found other pictures, Stallone with his his future wife, Ivan Drago's mistress, mm-hmm. uh, the also the, the future Mrs. Flavor Flav, I guess. For oh, yes, the purposes. one where... Uh, it's with uh, Stallone, uh, and he's with uh, President Reagan and Nancy, right? Yeah, he's with Nancy, President <laughs> Reagan, and and his wife. What was her name? Do you remember? Brigitte Nielsen. Brigitte Nielsen. And yeah. I've always looked at this photo, and <laughs> yes. so here you got a photo, and on the on the far side is Nancy Reagan. Next to Nancy is is President Reagan. And then there's Brigitte, yep. and then there's Stallone. And I'm thinking, if I'm Stallone, I'm looking at this picture going, why couldn't she be on the end? I could crop the picture yeah. and have a picture of me with the president now. I, No matter what you do, he's got to have her in that picture. Yeah, I think he probably just eventually just had to throw that picture out, frame and all. 
<laughs> now, Rocky's shooting commercials here. He's yeah. doing a, an ad for DeLorean, which is really cool because Back to the Future didn't come out for a couple more years. And while the DeLorean was a failed car at this point, years later, looking at that ad, I'd go, oh, my God, they've got a DeLorean in Rocky Three. But he also does some commercials for American Express. You see him sitting at the table. So sometime between part two and three, he learned how to read off those cue cards. Yes. <laughs> We get the Muppet Show. Now, this is from the real Muppet Show where Sylvester Stallone was on it. They do an interesting little thing where Kermit goes, it's the Muppet Show. And then there's like a pause and they cut away. And then he's like, Rocky Balboa. And they, they literally took two different sequences because on the show he plays Stallone. But they, yeah. they really play up that he was Rocky Balboa. So that's really cool to see that in here. Mm-hmm. Did you see the candy bar he was promoting? Yes, the Crunch Punch. <laughs> and that was something I wanted to ask you about because I, that was a candy bar for the movie. Yeah, I think it was. I, I would love a Crunch Punch right now, though. Oh, my God. Assume it was so, probably just an Ashley Crunch. Yes, yes. But, boy, it had that yellow wrapper. Oh, yeah, with the red lettering. You get Clubber really menacing right off the bat. His first lines, he's he wins that match. He mauls this guy. That's what the newspaper says about his fights. You know, he mauls a guy named Jaffe. And the one guy, I don't know if you saw this, he knocks the guy down and the guy makes a lot of effort to lie flat. You know, and I think it's a film error, but I also think it's possible that this guy was like, I'm not getting back up. Clubber yeah. missed me, but I'm going to stay down because I felt the wind coming with that punch. Yeah. I don't want to get one of those. It was at this point where um, we see a lot of clubber fights working his way up? Yeah, yeah, because, okay. I mean, then that's what you're cutting back and forth to, and you're seeing <laughs> Mickey kind of looking, you know, a little concerned. And yeah. then it ends with Mickey watching a fight, and Clubber knocks this guy out, and then he starts going, I want Balboa, I yeah. want Balboa. And then he points at him, he goes, you hear me, old man? <laughs> yeah. Tell Balboa I'm coming for him. You tell him what I said. I'm going to kill him. Nobody can stop me. I mean, it's as intimidating, as scary as you can get. I mean, yeah. Mr. T, over the top in the in the best possible way in this role. Yeah, and, and one of the most memorable moments of that was he hits a guy who almost falls out of the ring. Yeah, yeah. He, he almost goes up and over the ropes. And and then the referee has to pull him away because <laughs> he wants to keep hitting the guy. He hits guys after they're in the ropes. You know this is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is the bad guy. And it's also at this point you start to get the feeling right away, and this is, you know, the first couple minutes of the movie – that this is basically Apollo's story now told through Rocky. Rocky is Apollo. Apollo yeah. was a great champ who got soft. Mm -hmm. And so now Rocky is working his way into being Apollo. He's only a step away from having the red, white, and blue hat on and dancing. Yeah, and, and one other interesting thing about this is this would be the first movie where we had more than one fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In this, you know, so... I don't That's remember as a, as a kid what I thought, but I'd imagine a lot of people went in the theater and said, oh, this guy's tough, but, you know, at the end of the movie, they're going to fight and Rocky's going to take him down. Yeah, no, the that's true because the you know the other ones it built to one fight at the end. You know, you had like the little Spider Rico fight at the beginning of the first film, but the whole movie is building to one fight. Whereas this one, you get a fight halfway through the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, you know, like we said on last episode, this was the, the start of, you know, Rocky really becoming, you know, uh, you know, an icon for, for everyone. Families. Yeah. Th yeah. Yeah. This was, you know, I also 
kids were getting on board here. Exactly. And I, I, I picture a dad taking his kids to see that movie and not having a good track of time. And mm-hmm. after Rocky loses, being like, all right, get your coats. I don't know. I don't know what happened in this one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he'll win the next one. I don't know what happened. He goes, Looking at his watch. Yeah, he's like, this is a really it's, it's short and uh, it's a sad ending. I don't know why they did it this way. So we get Paulie at the bar. Mm-hmm. And Paulie's sitting there. He's he's really an alcoholic by this point. He's been a drunk throughout the other movies, but now he's got a serious issue. And then he walks out and stumbles into an arcade. Yeah, and this is after he's been sassed by, I don't want to say sassed, but the bartender <laughs> says, hey, hey, say hi to Rocky for me. And they're really sort of rubbing in the fact that, that Paulie, he's, he's going to live in Rocky's shadow. Absolutely. And so he goes over to an arcade. This is the Sassuni Arcade at 724 South Broadway, Los Angeles. This is not in Philadelphia. It's a uh, it's an arcade that's still there today. And the amazing thing is I found out this this week that this was the arcade in this movie. I've been in this stupid arcade and I didn't <laughs> know it. This is a filthy rundown arcade in Los Angeles. I mean, I, it's 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 not a very good arcade. A lot of the games are broken. But if I knew that this is where Paulie chucked that bottle into that pinball machine, I would have thought it was the greatest thing on earth. Oh, sure, yeah. And it's actually the the most amazing thing is that, you know, it's a a functional arcade in 2012. Crazy. That hasn't sort of been remodeled and rebranded and sort of retrofitted to be a retro arcade. Yeah, or even a restaurant. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is a place that is exactly the way it was then. It hasn't gone out of business and come back in. I mean, it... It's uh, it's a little different. It looks like, and from my memory, they sell stuff. I, I think they were selling like cell phone ac- accessories, but okay. they sell stuff in the area where the pinball machine was. Uh, in this scene, you get to see asteroids. You get to see Magic Spot. You get to see uh, the Charlie's Angels pinball game, the Playboy pinball game, a lot of old-time games. And Paulie looks so amused at the kids playing them. Yeah, <laughs> until he comes across this Rocky pinball machine. And he just goes after it. Now, the Rocky pinball machine really did exist. It was made by Gottlieb. It was released after this film in September of 1982. But what we see in the movie is like a prototype. It does not look like the actual machine. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, the the backlash for the real one is similar, but it, it, it's got Rocky with his hands up above his head. But it's different. I did find an, an article uh, online. The designer, his name was John Trudeau, uh, said that he, he made this production back glass for the movie. And, you know, he said he had very little time. Yeah. And he said they kept sending it to Stallone. And Stallone didn't like what they were doing. And they had to redo the face on it twice because they went with the bruised up Stallone that we were used to seeing in yeah. Rocky 1 and 2, you know, after the fight. And he and, and Stallone was like, no, I want a, you know, a nice looking picture of me. So he went ahead and fixed it. Uh, he, the guy said in the actual pinball game, you can see him and Dave Moore. They were two of the designers of the game. And you can see them in the back glass. They put themselves into the crowd. They painted themselves into the actual crowd watching Rocky. You can't see them in the movie because there's no crowd on the back glass. But Interesting that they did that. They just took an old pinball machine that existed and repainted it up, made it look like it was the Rocky game, which then came out a few months after the movie came out. Yeah, and you know what? It looks great. Yeah, it really does. So we leave this because uh, Paulie goes to jail. Rocky's got to bail him out of jail. Yeah, and you know, uh, 
he uh, he doesn't tell Adrian, uh, unbeknownst to Pauly, um, and Pauly's kind of shocked to see Rocky. Yeah, and 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 what do you think about the the watch that uh, that Rocky had given Pauly? It's one of my it's one of my favorite Pauly lines among uh, you know a, a laundry list of favorite Pauly lines, but uh, you know this is you know he, he says I don't need your stupid X lax watch. Yeah, I knew this line by heart as a kid, and I didn't know what X-Lax was, so I just thought that was a brand of watch. And when I first heard what it really was, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, he also said, is, yeah what yeah. were you going to say? I was going to say, this is also when you get the line about him fixing up his face. That's what I was going to say. So yeah, so at this point, we get the line that covers up for the fact that Stallone looks very different than he did in the previous films. And then yeah, we get, and you know, it was, I mentioned it on the last episode, but you know, it's I guess as as a writer, uh, he he felt Stallone felt like he had to address it, but it, you know, it's something he could have glossed over and he didn't, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, and this was a different era too. People probably hadn't seen these movies within the past, you know, year or two because you couldn't really rent a movie and watch it at home, so you had to wait for it to be on TV, something like that, right. and so. It's very possible that most of the audience had seen those movies, maybe since they were in theaters. That's one of the reasons why they like to recap the last one at the end of the new one, so people remember where they were. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, Friday the 13th sort of fell into that pattern, too. Oh, absolutely. That 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 series kind of shadows this in a lot of ways. For one thing, there was a Friday the 13th in theaters around the time as this movie and, and around the time most of the Rocky movies, just because they were both series that put out a lot of sequels during the same time. But also that film like this one did a lot with the timeline where the sequels <laughs> would come out and it was hard to, well, what year is this? And if this yeah. is 10 years later and we filmed this three years later, then what year is it now? And are we in the future? Are we in the past? And this movie has a lot of that with the timeline as well. Yeah. I remember me and you went, once we got out a whiteboard and yes. we tried to map out we, how the Friday the 13th timeline worked and, I think we we cracked it, but it 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 was really really a mess. Yeah, we tried really hard to you know say okay, so this was the previous summer, and then this was, and we tried to map everything out. And there were like little things like you're like, well, the video game he's playing, they played that weird video game at one point. He wouldn't have that, or it would be five years old. You know, I mean, there was yeah. a lot of lot of a lot of chicanery in that timeline. Yeah, and, and, and actually, of all the series out there, Rocky was the only one I could think of that really outdoes it in terms of really playing with, with time. Yeah, absolutely. Without time traveling, like Back to the Future or something like that. Yeah, of course, of course. So we get Rocky and Adrian in bed. This is the scene that I, I hated as a kid, and I made fun of it as a teenager. And now I still I have no idea why they thought this was a good scene. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I guess it's you know just showing Rocky and Adrian, you know, Still, still connecting after all these years. Take you back. I'm on the sing with you. Do, 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 do. I, I, it's a weird scene, and it's also somewhat unfortunate for Frank Stallone. I think I don't know if he got an extra check for this, but he sang that song in the first Rocky film. Oh, yeah. And now he does appear in this movie and he does get to sing. But here, his famous song is not only stolen by his brother, but it's butchered. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's hope that it was a licensing thing where, where Frank did get some licensing money. I hope so. Now, why don't you tell me a little bit about Adrian? There, she is famous for a lot more than this series. Yeah, actress Talia Shire uh, plays Adrian. She's also known for playing Connie Corleone 
in the famous Godfather series. Uh, she's also Francis Ford Coppola's uh, sister. Uh, her son is semi-famous actor Jason Schwartzman from uh, Rushmore, and he's currently uh, he was on uh, HBO series Bored to Death. And her husband was the late Jack Schwartzman, who produced the unofficial Bond film Never Say Never Again, and Rad, which yes. is a show we we might one day cover on the show that Talia Shire was also on. Yes, because H. B. Haggerty, a wrestler, is in that film, so that would be a good film to cover. And God, that's a great '80s film. Much like this, it just has this '80s feel to it. Now <laughs> back to wrestling, because because the next scene is the scene with Hulk Hogan. We got Rocky versus Thunderlips. Yeah, in, in a charity event. Thunderlips says, To all my love slaves out there, Thunderlips is here in the flesh, baby. The ultimate male versus the ultimate meatball. And I got to tell you, Hogan is on fire in this scene. He's great. He really is. And there's some great lines here where Thunderlips comes walking out, uh, es- es- escorted by his girls, and Rocky says to Pauly uh, or Mickey, uh, why are they carrying him? And, He's uh, walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also, um, uh, you know, the, I've seen wrestlers bigger than dinosaurs. You ever fight a dinosaur? Yeah, yeah. And no one does this much for charity. Bob Hope would. That's true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, there's that little bit of comedy we were talking about last episode. It's fantastic. So Rocky thinks wrestling is fixed. And yeah. at this point, the WWE had not, you know, back when they were the WWF and Vince announced that it was fake, that hadn't happened yet. So this shows you that as a society, we all thought it was fake. But we had a premonition that maybe it was real because Thunderlifts, Thunderlifts will not play by that game. And he thinks it's real. Oh, yeah. He delivers some, some crushing blows to Rocky. Yeah, tell me about some of the moves that go down and, and, and basically the arc of this fight. Well, yeah, that's the other interesting thing about here is you see Hogan being a lot more, uh, maybe doing a lot more wrestling moves than you might be used to him doing. He does some, uh, like, um, those shoulder tosses, mm-hmm. body slams. Um, he ultimately gets Rocky up for uh, a suplex, does the big leg drop which miraculously, you know, doesn't doesn't kill Rocky. And then he finally throws him out of the ring. Yes. And that's when, when Rocky says, I, I got to take my gloves off and go at this guy bare knuckled. Yeah, it's the only way you can settle this maniac down. And so then they, they're able to subdue Thunderlips, and then they can, they can take a Polaroid and raise $75,000 for yeah. charity. And there is another interesting thing that happens in this scene. Um, you have the arc throughout this scene, uh, possibly the series. It's been a while since I've seen some of the movies where Paulie tells people he doesn't sweat him, yes. sweat them. And he tells Sun- Thunderlips during the scene, I don't sweat you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, Paulie does this in, in a lot of the movies. It's fantastic. It's his, that's his line. Uh, and, and you're never sure if he really does sweat the guy or not. But I believe that throughout the entire series, he tells Apollo he doesn't sweat him. Yeah. He tells Drago he doesn't sweat mm-hmm. him. He he tells everybody he doesn't sweat them except for Clubber because he he, thre- he he actually sweats Clubber and yeah. probably Robot from Rocky IV. <laughs> so Clubber, also yeah, during was, the during the Polaroid scene here, we also get I think the first real glimpse of uh, of Rocky's son who is. Is probably the, the it's the worst portrayal of Rocky's son in the series. 
Yeah, this is a, a nerdy kid with glasses. Looks like Mikey from Life Serial. And he even complains when Rocky picks him up to take the Polaroid. He says something to the uh, something similar to, you're hurting me. Oh, goodness. <laughs> this kid could not grow up to be a champion. Yeah. Uh, and And this is where you really see the timeline being kind of weird. Yeah, well, it really happens, and, and we'll get into this at the end, because at the end, Rocky leaves, and then the next movie starts with him showing up, and his kid's grown quite a bit. <laughs> but before we get there, at this scene, Clubber Lang is in the audience. He's got a tuxedo on with his feathered earrings, and he's watching this match, and he gets up, he's annoyed at it, and he gets up and leaves. Uh, I don't know whether he's just annoyed at the at the clowning-ish of the whole mm-hmm. thing and he thinks this is ridiculous or if he thinks, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to fight, you know, for the championship if this guy gets beaten up, you know, so bad he gets put in a hospital by this wrestler. Uh, but the the lobby card I found from, from uh, I believe it was the German lobby card, shows a scene or a stage shot. You know, it's hard to tell whether mm-hmm. it was just a picture or whether it was a scene of Clubber coming up to ringside and confronting Rocky prior to the match. And I, I wonder if that was originally how the scene went, and then they, they re-edited it to cut that out because they felt they'd already done that. He'd already, you know, he'd confronted Mickey already, and now he's coming up to the statue scene, and yeah. maybe that was the best time to confront him. Yeah. If nothing else, it's good to see that Clubber Lang at least wanted to help support kids' charities. <laughs> yes, he... he he plunked down his money to, to see the event. In uh, 2004 Muscle and Fitness interview, Stallone said to prepare for this film, he got his body fat percentage down to an all-time low of 2.8%, which is absurd. And he weighed 155 pounds. And one of the reasons for this was this scene. He yeah. wanted Hogan to look gigantic next mm-hmm. to him. And yeah, boy, that, which is... And he really does. And it's amazing that in the movie, he's billed at being, at this time, 202 pounds. Right, right. Uh, now, you know, he's 50 pounds lighter. Uh, a, a, another interesting um, note, if you will, to, to sort of put it in comparison, when Stallone did the latest Rambo movie a couple of years ago, he got to his all-time highest weight. Uh, he was 220 pounds in Rambo. Wow, wow. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's a huge jump. Yeah. So in this scene, Rocky is fighting against Thunderlips, and Thunderlips is a champ as well, and he's got his world wrestling championship of some kind. They they never you know tell you what organization it is, but it was a custom red belt that was designed by a gentleman named Reggie Parks, and okay. he's made belts for the WWF, the WWE, the WCW. NWA, AWA, UWF, TNA, Ring of Honor. He's made them for every you know organization you can imagine, and he designed a belt for this. It's a it's a belt with a red band. It looks a lot like the WWWF belt at the time. Yeah. And Stallone, I, I'm sorry, actually Hogan owns this belt today. I saw a picture of him, and he was showing off all the belts that he actually owns, and he's got about five, and this is one of them. And I think that's pretty cool. So so Hogan still has this belt. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that uh, after all Hogan's been through the last couple of years that he's still got it. Well, you know what? Now that you mention that, this was, this picture was a few years old. This may have been before his wife started running around on him. Yeah. 
I'd like to hope that he that he has the belts. I hope so. Well, I think at this point we should probably bring up Chuck Wepner. Uh, Chuck Wepner was a journeyman fighter who in 1975 uh, – challenged Muhammad Ali. Again, Muhammad Ali was a fighting champion who fought a lot, and he fought a lot of guys that were beneath him. And Chuck Wepner was not the worst of the fighters he fought. He did fight a few other guys that really didn't belong in the ring. But Chuck Wepner was not a guy who would have ever challenged for the world championship if Ali wasn't fighting so often. This was a guy who, for this fight against Muhammad Ali, this was the first time he ever trained full-time for a fight. Imagine that. Every other time that he fought any fight, he was going to work during the day and then training at night. Yeah. This was a guy that his career wasn't boxing. This was boxing is what he did, but he had to pay the bills some other way. And yeah. so he fought Ali. He There's a lot, whether he knocked him down or Ali slipped. I've seen the fight. It looks like Ali slipped. But regardless, he, he went... You know, towards the end of the fight with Ali, he didn't go the distance, but he put in one hell of a fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and Stallone says he saw this and then based the character of Rocky somewhat on him. He It was kind of one of those things where it depends on who you talk to, how much the character is based on him. I think it may be something where Stallone was like, that would be a good character and then said, I'm going to intentionally change it. You know, I'm going to yeah. do it differently. Uh, another thing that people say is Rocky Graziano was another person that was probably a huge influence on Stallone. There was a, an autobiography called Somebody Up There Likes Me, which they made a movie out of. And that really parallels Rocky in a lot of ways, the, the story. And interesting, Rocky Graziano's real name was Rocky Barbella. Wow, yeah, I did not know that. I didn't know it before I was looking up information on this movie, and I was shocked to hear that. So uh, oh, unless wow. somebody hacked Wikipedia, which is easy to do, that yeah. apparently was his real name. So really fascinating, and I guess all of this came together you know, to make this character. But what's interesting about Chuck Wepner is in 1976, a year after fighting against you know, Muhammad Ali, he fought Andre the Giant. And he lost by count out after Andre picked him up and threw him out of the ring, much like happens in this ring. In this yeah, and that was at Shea team. Stadium, right? Yeah, Shea Stadium. Uh, tremendous fight. There is the, – the rumor is that Chuck decided he was going to punch Andre for real and Andre <laughs> decided he was going to throw him into the crowd. It's also been said that that's not what happened, that they had planned from the beginning. So it's one of those you got to look at it and you got to try to figure it out. You know, it's hard to say, uh, but it is a it's it's a fun match to check out. And boy, Andre was so big. And next to Chuck Wepner, I mean, Andre looked Chuck Wepner looked tiny next to him. I mean, really, you know, epic for, you know, this Andre the Giant was able to dwarf any man, including a heavyweight boxer. Yeah. And I've actually I met. Chuck Wepner uh, on a right. handful of occasions, and I mean, I'm not a, a large man by any stretch, but this, man, it was like meeting a giant. Yeah, I mean, a big guy, and Andre made him look look very, very small. Um, Chuck Wepner also <laughs> ended up uh, getting arrested by the FBI for forging signatures of Muhammad Ali. He didn't do this himself. He worked with another guy who was. Yeah. What they do is they'd get a picture of Ali and and Wepner. Wepner would sign it, and then the other guy would sign Ali on it. Yeah, and, and then Wepner would vouch for it. 
And he also started doing that with Stallone. He'd get a picture yeah. of him and Stallone and he'd sign it. And eventually he was caught. It was a huge deal. Uh, and back in 2002, he was caught, uh, given, you know, uh, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, parole where they check in on you and you have to, you know, one of those things, but not, didn't, I don't believe he served any time or anything for it, but a uh, very interesting story. And that's the reason that on these shows like Pawn Stars, when somebody brings in a signature, they got to bring in that guy with that big giant magnifying glass <laughs> to authenticate it. The next so thanks, is- Chuck. <laughs> The next scene is one of my absolute favorite scenes in the movie. Rocky is telling the story of of uh, Goldilocks. First, you see them in the car. You know, they're in that little really cool car that they're just riding around yep. on the Rocky, you know, the Rocky uh, uh, mansion. And then Rocky recites Goldilocks. And I want to say this real quick. Uh, he says, says uh, uh, the father bear says somebody's been sleeping in my bear bed. The little bear says somebody's been sleeping in my bed. And here she is. He pulls back the covers, exposing her to the, you know, public, see? <laughs> and then she goes, he says, what actually happened to Goldilocks? And Rocky's like, I'm not exactly sure. And Polly's like, she was busted for trespassing and served 20 years. Ah, uh, that's funny. Really, really funny. Yeah. And then we get to the statue dedication, which is a phenomenal scene in this movie. Yeah. There's one interesting thing, though. You'd think that this is a, a pretty big day. Ro- uh, Philadelphia is dedicating a statue to Rocky Balboa, and he doesn't bring his son? <laughs> yeah. The son, well, you know, you don't know. The son may have been in school. I, you know, that's a good point. Uh, no, I think, doesn't he say uh, somebody's, Paulie's going to stay and take care of you? Yeah, yeah, no, you're and right. So Paulie the kid and Paulie, they, they, they don't race. they at the racing form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just struck know. me as weird that that would you know that he wouldn't bring his kid and his and his brother or his brother-in-law. Yeah, it, it is interesting. It of course has the famous line where Clubber says, "Hey, woman, why don't you bring your pretty little self to my apartment?" But before that, there there is something interesting about Clubber's speech here, where he interrupts him. He does this thing where he tries every argument. And I noticed this the more times I've watched it. First, he starts out and he's like, don't give this man no statue. Give him guts. You know, I'm ranked number one and he's ducking me, fighting other bums. You know, that's his first tactic. Then he in this part, you have to really listen closely because what happens is Rocky starts talking to uh, to Mickey and he's like, well, why can't I fight this guy? And he's yeah. like, yeah, fight him without me. If you tune them out and listen in the background, you hear Clubber say, I'm glad you good people are here to see this. Don't judge me by the color of my skin. Judge me by my pride, my determination and judge me by my fighting record. So yeah. he tries this, you know, I'm going to be a nice guy. And then yeah. that doesn't work. You know, Rocky still hasn't agreed. So then he tries the, hey, woman, why don't yeah. you bring your pretty little self? And that's what makes it for Rocky. Then Rocky's like, look, I, now I got to take this fight on. Yeah, and that was actually used in some of the marketing. Wasn't there a poster with a tagline uh, or a voiceover uh, that, that said his, his manhood was challenged? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the trailer for this movie, Rocky has to fight for his family, for his pride, and for his manhood. <laughs> the the statue, there there is a, a, I mean, we could do four hours talking about the mm-hmm. history of the statue. But basically what happened is in 1982, Stallone had a statue of himself made. They called it uh, Thunder in His Heart, I believe is the, the title of the statue. And afterwards he was like, I just want to leave it here. And yeah. they were like, no, you know, and he was like, come on, I, I made you guys a statue of me. To show how wonderful I am. 
Yeah. And uh, and they were, you know, they said it's not art, you know, and there was a fight back and forth. Stallone had it flown back to Hollywood and tied it to a tree in his backyard for five months and then eventually <laughs> made a deal that he could have it there on the art museum steps for about four months, you know, for the rest of the summer, you know, mm-hmm. and then they had to move it over to the spectrum and they moved it yeah. to the Philadelphia spectrum. And then it temporarily disappeared from there when they were filming uh, Balboa. Yeah, and this was interesting. So when when it was moved over to the Spectrum, and the Spectrum started to become this dying arena because they built all these big arenas around it. But there was a time where the Spectrum was a phenomenal arena, a huge wrestling arena. Lots of great Bob Backlund matches took place there. I saw SummerSlam 1990 in the Philadelphia Spectrum. That was the one where Hulk Hogan took on Earthquake, and you also got to see Ravishing Rick Rude versus the Ultimate Warrior. Wonderful card, wonderful arena, but by the time that 2006 rolled around, this the arena was just not it anymore, you know, and since then they've torn it down. And it, it just, it, it no longer seemed like the appropriate place for this statue. Yeah. And then when Rocky Balboa came up, they had taken it down and right there in front of the uh, in front of the spectrum was a cutout of the statue. You know, it was like a, a big sheet metal that they cut it out and they said, Rocky is off filming the movie Rocky Balboa. He'll be back afterwards, you know, something like that. And so when Rocky Balboa comes out, he, he's not in it. And there's even a line where he's like, are you just mad that they, they took away your statue? But yeah. what was really going on? was they were making a deal to put the statue not on the art museum steps, but down slightly off to the side, away from the steps, with the thought that, hey, people are always coming here looking for it. People come from around the world and they want to see this statue. Let's at least put it somewhere near there. Yeah, and when they finally did, it actually, they did a really nice event for it, a press conference that Stallone was at, and they did a, they, a, a rededication and an unveiling and it was very nice, and actually, me and you were both there. Yeah, it was it was really cool to see, and you got to see Stallone, and and uh, uh, also Burt Young was there, and you know it was a big big event. And then afterwards, they showed us the original Rocky on a big giant screen, and we got to sit on the steps of the art museum. And I'll never forget watching the the scene where he runs up those steps, and he got to the step we were sitting on, and it was like, oh my god, he's he, that's where we are, you know. And you'd look yeah. at the skyline, and you'd see what it looked like thirty years before that. Yeah, definitely a, a very very cool night, and a, and, a, and a and a great memory. Yeah. Now uh, there is an interesting article I dug up from 1981. This was May 13th, over a year before the movie was filmed, and they said in this. And the movie was uh, was debuted debuted in theaters. This was when they were filming it. So May twelfth, nineteen eighty one, they filmed this scene. It says that Rocky returned to the art museum to shoot a scene for this. Uh, he's now the heavyweight champion. And this article said it takes place three years after Rocky two. So that's where we get that date. Uh, Stallone said it's about a man thrown into a world totally alien to him, and now he's got to get back to his roots. And so they go through all of the stuff about, you know, how he's too big for his britches, you know. If you mm-hmm. And then they talk about this statue, thunder in his heart. Then there's a quote from Mickey that, you know, Burgess Meredith, that blows my mind. He says, yeah. this is my final one, meaning his final Rocky movie, for the simple reason that I die in this one. I can't do any more without a resurrection. Which oh, wow. Blows my mind that a year before he spoiled the fact that he's going to die, which is a tremendous spoiler for this movie. 
Oh, yeah, I can imagine, you know, sitting there reading my paper, you know, as a, you know, just a suburban dad in 1981. And I, I, I don't know. I think I'd have to clear the table. Oh, it'd be terrible. It really would. Oh, and then man. there's there's one other really funny thing is uh, Stallone said that he was he was breeding a son of Rocky for the 1990 season. And in 1990, Rocky five came out, which is the one where Stallone basically is you know kind of training his son to take on the school bullies and then, you know, fights Tommy Gunn in the street. So it's interesting that the, the film that would most closely resemble son of Rocky is yeah. the one that came out in 1990. Wow. It also said that the, the film was going to cost 17 million. And, uh, that was compared to $1 million for the original Rocky. Mm-hmm. And they also said that the opening date should be June 1st. So they were off okay. by a little bit, yeah, a couple days. So then Rocky goes and talks to Mickey, convinces them that they need to have this match. And then we see, you know, Rocky doesn't train very well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and which is, you know, it's kind of surprising because during the statue dedication, Rocky announces that it's going to be his final match or his final fight. And, and you know, him and Rock, him and Mickey make plans for all the stuff they're going to do when, uh, when they retire. So you'd think that, you know, Rocky would go into this fight, you know, wanting to really put his best foot forward. Yeah, exactly. But he doesn't. And then Clubber causes Mickey to have a heart attack. Yeah, there's no two ways around it. Yeah, he, you know, he he scares him into a heart attack. And so Mickey's having this heart attack. And unlike when Jerry Lawler had his heart attack at ringside, doctors are nowhere to be found. And they can't even hold the fight for a few minutes. There's nothing that can be done. Mickey has to die while Rocky goes out to fight. Yeah, yeah. And Rocky even wants to throw the, you know, say he, he tells Adrian to say, go cancel the fight. Yeah. And, Mi- and Mickey demands that he doesn't. Yeah, I don't know why Rocky can't be like, hey, why, why don't we just wait 15 minutes, see if you get, you know, maybe this will clear up. You'll be all right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Or but get so, him to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. It's a heavyweight fight. People can wait. Yeah. But they couldn't. They they needed to see this fight. He goes out there. This is when Apollo gets in a little argument with, with Clubber. And uh, yeah. we we also we we see Clubber, you know, just really agitated. He's ready to take on Rocky, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to note that Mr. T, as a bodyguard for Leon Spinks, was a corner man for Leon Spinks in his second fight, the one he lost to Muhammad Ali, not the first one where he won. And so he was in the corner, 1976, watching that you know match and standing there and you know coming up you know with a with a spit bucket kind of thing. Yeah. And meanwhile, at ringside, Sylvester Stallone, who was interviewed on the broadcast. Wow. That's so so funny. Stallone had considered using Ernie Shavers to play the part of Clubber Lang. He said that, you know, that was one of the guys that he was a really tough-looking heavyweight, and he thought about having him. And he was one of those guys that when he started talking, he had that high, squeaky little voice. And it it wasn't right for the film. Yeah. And this was also something I've read about Stallone a handful of times. Apparently Hogan said this happened with him as well. Um, Stallone likes to tell guys to hit him really hard. And Ernie Shavers did, and, and it apparently almost killed him. Wow. So uh, so Clubber, you know, says, you know, get out of my face, Creed. You know, you know, you, you know you're, you're old and washed up. And then Clubber beats Rocky silly. Mickey dies. No one does CPR or anything while Rocky cries on top of him. Yeah. Rocky gets back from the loss and the doctor says, uh, we make it quick. We really got to get this man to a hospital. (laughs) 
and then he dies and they do nothing. Yeah. Oh, horrible. And this is another moment where I want to see the script to see what Stallone wrote here because I, I do think it's it's a great scene. I think Burgess Meredith is 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 great in it. It it, it would rank as one of my I, I hate to say the word favorite, but one of my favorite death scenes. And I think Stallone does some really good work here, though, Stallone's even though it does border on, you know, um, a, a little bit of comedy. Sure. But Stallone is great in this. I mean, it's believable. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really I think it's a really good scene. Yeah. And it, it takes us to the funeral. We get Rocky kind of, you know, breaking down. He's throwing his helmet at his statue. Yeah. And then he meets with Apollo. Apollo, yeah. you know, talks to him and says, you know, we, we'll just take you out to L.A. and train you differently. Yeah, you know, and, and this really shows what what what, uh, what Apollo's uh, second career should have been after retiring from boxing. Why he didn't become a motivational speaker is beyond me. <laughs> he's got to tell him he's got the eye of the tiger. Yeah. We uh, we also get to see, you know, the the scene where he's training to music now, and it's the, Pauly calls it jungle junk music. And, yeah. you know, we get to see him swimming. We get to mm-hmm. see Pauly hates L.A. He's yelling yeah. at hobos in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the, the sparring scene where Rocky kind of gives up, and Apollo's like, there is no tomorrow. Yeah. Where, meanwhile, Annie is playing in the theater next door. <laughs> As we established, this was the same year and the same summer as Annie. So next door, possibly, you're yep. you're hearing Eileen Quinn, you know, belt out tomorrow. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting Apollo Creed tell you there is no tomorrow. Yeah, and that and there is no tomorrow is my all time favorite Apollo Creed line. Uh, I met Carl Weathers a couple months ago, and I mm. almost asked him to sign oh. uh, the autograph. There is no tomorrow, but I didn't think it was fitting. That would have been phenomenal. Yeah, my oh. brother did get it signed. Uh, uh, ding ding, ding ding. Cool. Yeah, yes. that's right from the end of this movie. Wow, yeah. that is fantastic. Uh, we get the running on the beach. A lot of people have laughed at this. Mm-hmm. There's there's some funniness to them with their high socks. And then a little bit later, when, when Rocky finally beats them and they hug and dance and clap. In slow motion. It's it's crazy. Yeah. But before that, we get Adrian yelling at him. And she's like, if, you're, if this is over because you want it to be over, that's fine. But what do we got? We've got money. Yeah, you know, and this was, you know, I guess really giving Adrian a reason to be in the movie. This is her scene. She's, you know, yeah. she's like, she's like, what do we have? We got a house. We've got cars. We've got money. <laughs> What's the truth? Damn it. And, and he's like, he's like, you know, before I didn't care what happened to me, but now I got you, I got the kid. And yeah. I've always thought that he should have been like, I got you. I got three kids. And she'd be yeah. like, what are you talking about? You're punching. He's like, no, I think we have three kids. I don't know if you've noticed. Our kids don't look the same. It's not one kid. <laughs> because seriously, Rocky's yeah. son, born in 1976, right? Mm-hmm. Then in 1982, he's fighting Thunderlips, right? So the kid's five or six years old, maybe. Yeah. That's what he looks like. We're told it's three years later. Yeah. Then he goes to the gym with Apollo at the very end of this movie coming up. He mm-hmm. comes back. The kid's like 10 or 11 years old. Then he yeah. goes to Russia. He comes back. The kid's like 13. He's like starting high school. Yeah, and the the, the difference between uh, the, the end of Rocky Four and the beginning of Rocky Five is a few days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, I think, well, the end of this one and Rocky and, Four I, is boy. a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. He just got home. He got the hat from Apollo, and he got a black eye from Apollo. This is my theory. I think the reason Clubber said she should come up to his apartment, 
is he knows she's running around on Rocky. And Rocky's so punchy. He's got this big house. There's like a maybe a half a dozen kids there. He doesn't um, know. He thinks they're all Rocky Jr. Oh, goodness. And that's the only reason you really can't marathon this series of films. So this this brings us to the big final fight. We're we're wrapping up here. We've got Clubber going dead meat. You know, we've got uh uh you know the the big setup, you know, where they're where they're, you know, getting ready to, you know, to you know, with the trunks, he gets the red, white, and blue trunks, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and, and Rocky's got the eye of the tiger back. You can see it and, and the commentators uh announce how impressed they are with the way Rocky looks. Mm-hmm. And we get the, you know, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool and I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. And we also get Apollo Creed, you know, does this thing where he gets almost gets into a fight with Clubber and, and Rocky's like, I thought you said to be cool. And he's like, that was cool. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> great, sorry. great line. Yeah. Sorry, Apollo. It, it wasn't cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> I did find from 1982, June 10th, the Phoenix, uh, I think it was just called the Phoenix, this newspaper. It's an interview with Stallone and Mr. T talking about this fight and the other fight. Um, Mr. T, first Stallone said he almost killed me uh, talking about Mr. T because he said, you know, he told Mr. T to go for it for the sake of reality. He wanted Mr. Yeah. T to punch him. But then uh, uh, Mr. T said, hey, Sly hurt me too. We hurt each other. We trained for it. We could take it. But it was like we were like brothers. And and then they asked him if he could beat Stallone in a real fight. And they said Mr. T got very angry and said, no comment. Next question. That's yeah. what separates me from the also Rams. Mr. T don't have no image problem. Mr. T don't fight the, don't fight the hand that feeds him. That's stupid. Oh, that's, that's a great quote. So – Clubber is fighting Rocky, and Creed came up with a whole strategy that involved speed. But yeah. then Rocky abandons this for this strategy of, I'll let him punch me until he's tired. Yeah, and, and, and Creed even, even yells, he's getting killed, and Paulie says, no, he's getting angry. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> but it works out, but it, it just seems seems strange to me. It seems like an odd odd choice. Mm-hmm. But that's it. And- that's how That's how he wins. Yeah, and it really is a—it's a great fight. I mean, I think all the the fights in the in the Rocky movies are are great, and this one is just—it's—it's it's got great pacing. Um, you got two great performers. It's just really a a great fight to watch. And and, you got and the, the other thing about the Rocky movies is they by this point in the series they didn't really resemble any real heavyweight fight. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got the sound of of doors slamming every time they hit each other. You know, it's a car door shutting really hard. You know, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah. And also throwing twenty five, thirty, forty fights uh, or or or. or oh. uh, punches around every punch is right to the head you know there's you know head or the body everything connects nobody puts their gloves up i mean that's the whole end of this fight is neither of them put their gloves up they both fight with their hands at their sides yeah yeah and then we close with eye of the tiger why Mm -hmm. don't you tell me a little bit about eye of the tiger uh eye of the tiger was a song by the american rock band survivor came out in may of 82 from their third album entitled eye of the tiger and it was written at the request of sylvester stallone who was unable to get permission for Queen's Another One Bites the Dust. Can you believe which is that? A, what's that? Can you believe that? I mean, that's amazing that that could have been the song. Yeah, yeah. And actually, watching the opening montage where Stallone wanted to use Another One Bites the Dust, you can to- totally see that fitting with that montage. Oh, sure. I, I Maybe it might be worth some time trying to sync it up and see if you yeah. know if it, it, how, how it looks. 
yeah, the, 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 the single was a huge success. It was certified platinum in August of 82, uh, signifying sales of over 2 million copies. Uh, and by March of 2012, it had sold over 3 million in digital downloads. Um, the song was a pop, uh, pop culture uh, phenomenon. Weird Al would later parody it, uh, parody it um, as the theme from Rocky Eight. No, no, it was Rocky Thirteen. Rocky Thirteen. Rocky Thirteen. The Rye yeah. or the Kaiser. Rye or the Kaiser. Where he's retired and he's chopping up meat. Mm-hmm. And actually, most people will probably know the Survivor singer for uh, uh, his most recent work, which was the singing voice on those Real Men of Genius Bud Light commercials. Real Men of Genius. <laughs> and the song was also used in the 1986 film Eye of the Tiger, starring Gary Busey. Yafet Koto and Seymour Cassell. I never understood how that happened, how they yeah. were able to use that title. And it's even used, the song's even used in the movie during the final fight scene oh. uh, that takes place in a cocaine-filled shack. Wow. That's, that's a big, big difference from Madison Square Garden. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, the title of this film in France was, and, and I will butcher this, I don't know French, but it's like L'Oeil du Tigre, which is Eye of Tiger. And then Penitentiary 2, which was the Mr. T film that came out before this in the U.S., but in a lot of countries came out after this, was called Le Defy du Tigre, which was the challenge of Tiger. Oh, goodness. I can only <laughs> imagine the confusion that caused. I mean, it, they, and, the, and the poster has, you know, boxing on it. I mean, it was totally, they really, really wanted you to think of this when you saw that. Sure. Let's talk uh, uh, quickly about the state of wrestling before we wrap up here. At this point in time, you had world champion Bob Backlund. He he fought on the night this came out in a matinee fight at the Capitol Center in in uh, in, in Maryland, and he he defeated Adrian Adonis, who was still being a macho guy at this point. Yes, <laughs> and Hulk Hogan was in the AWA, and there was a whole run that took place right around this time where he was feuding with Nick Bockwinkle. And it's very famous because Hogan beat him for the title and then they reversed the decision and then Hogan fought him again. And all of this was because Hogan was getting ready to leave. And so they were, they were just setting things up so that Hogan could, you know, get out of there and not take the title with him. Uh, I do want to get to a couple tweets. I got some tweets the other night. I, I threw it out, said, Hey, what do you guys think of this movie? And I'm not going to read all of them, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who sent tweets over to me. Uh, our friend Jamal Green, he was, uh, he was talking back and forth with me about whether what Apollo Creed's middle name was. And I said, I, I can't imagine his mommy named him Apollo Creed, you know. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. You know, I, I said his name was probably something like Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, you know, he probably had an estranged dad that ran a gym, you know, in Watts, you know. And so it, it was a lot of fun talking about that. We talked to uh, uh, Jay Benj on Twitter, who was who was talking about his favorite lines. He was a, a big Dolph Lundgren fan. Yeah. And uh, also Jeff Ferry chimed in. Uh, he said his favorite Hulk Hogan moment, because I asked what your favorite moment from this movie with Rocky or Hulk Hogan was. And he mm-hmm. said it was when he choked out Richard Belzer. A very expensive choke out. That's right. So that brings us to the all-important and pretty much ridiculous question. Mm -hmm. Did you tap out, Craig? I watched this movie again uh, for the first time in a couple years. Um, Just um, over the course of the the last couple weeks, I actually watched it twice in preparation for this. And I got to say, even knowing all the beats, it still hit me at the, the exact moments it was supposed to hit me. 
Uh, I really enjoyed sort of going back in time and watching this movie, and uh, I did not tap. No, and I I got to say this is one of my all time favorite movies. It's definitely my favorite of this series, and I think it's the best of the series in a lot of ways. I think the the most dramatic is the first one, but I think this one is like the it's like the gold finger of the series. You know, you mm-hmm. you have the best villain, you have the best song, you have everything coming together, and I just love this film. No tap out. I cannot tap out to Rocky Three. I could watch this movie every single day of my life. It's 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 one of my all time favorites. Yeah, and definitely worthy of the uh, the two weeks of coverage that we gave it. That's right. Now that brings us to the end of our Rocky saga. But next, it'll be Halloween time, so we're going to be taking a look at Kane in See No Evil. So that should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Craig. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills. In the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? What's I smell? Jimmy King! Oh my god, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! This isn't even a pay-per-view!